Hello and welcome to Bleeding on the Page. The piece you're about to hear is called Breaking Eggs. It's written and performed by Max Bardsley, with additional sound mix and sound design by Ollie McOlly. Take it away, Max. Everything started on a sunny Sunday afternoon. I was in the shop buying some eggs, you see, and... Or maybe it was Monday. Or Tuesday. Or potentially even Wednesday, Thursday, Friday or Saturday. But it definitely wasn't Sunday because the shops closed on Sunday and I was in the shops buying some eggs. There was a heatwave on as well, so the shops were packed to the brim with people buying lemonade and other cooling supplies. It was a sea of sweaty, swollen, sweltering faces. I could barely orient myself, but I had the eggs in my hand, so that was good. For sure. I for sure had the eggs in my hand. But it doesn't really matter whether or not I had the eggs in my hand for sure because that isn't everything that happened. I was with my friend Gideon as well. And we were nattering and chattering about everything that was happening since it seems in recent days I had in fact discovered a pyramid in the far off land of Serengeti Stan. But this pyramid was most unusual because unlike the ones in Egypt, this one was underground and upside down. So me and Gideon were in what I would probably describe as a very heated debate over the logistics of what this pyramid meant in the face of everything else. Gideon was in the mindset that it wasn't actually a pyramid at all, but the calling card of great ancient architect Dombat Tasunu. Gideon believed that he'd left this edifice as a statement against the incarceration of the migrant people who were trying to move to Serengeti Stan at the time. I just believe that that was silly and that pyramid is just a pyramid no matter what way you turn it. We were going back and forth about that for a very long time. I mean, we were talking about all sorts of subjects, not just that. It was all sorts of things. Politics, news, football, cinema, fruit, gum, wire, powder, onions, underwear, and what sort of car Gideon was going to buy after his promotion. Nissan. But before I could interject and recommend to go a more viable vehicular route, a huge burst of light came through the shop window. What could this be? We thought to ourselves at the exact same moment in the exact same way. So we ran outside to see what all the hubbub was about. And I mean, we weren't the only people there. Everyone was curious. There was at least 10,000 people there. Actually, probably more like 1,000. Actually, probably more like 500. Actually, probably more like 100. Actually, probably it was just me and Gideon. Actually, probably it was just me since the shops closed on Sunday and I was buying some eggs. But I wasn't alone because the huge burst of light was actually a lovely glowing lady with big golden wings. She had a glass eye and a very sexy style bra with very high boots. She held a megaphone in one hand and a lightning bolt in the other. So I stood in awe for maybe a minute or two, but didn't really say anything, didn't want to look like a fool. And she came down slowly. Two hours later, she was still coming down slowly, and I was still in awe. Three hours later, she was now walking up to me. The air was loud, like it was made of electricity. By the time she reached me, I'd almost passed out. Standing up straight for three hours was just a bad shout, but before I could collapse from exhaustion right there, she put the megaphone up to my ear and said really loud, You've dropped your eggs. My ears were bleeding because of the sound, but despite that, I looked down at my feet and saw the yolk-covered ground. But what I didn't expect, what caught me by surprise, was that the floor was covered in baby chickens and they'd all died. Did you do this? I said indignant and upset, but before I could finish I felt something wet inside of my mouth and all along my teeth. It was this woman, she was kissing me as if she wanted to suck the life from my lungs. The kissing wouldn't stop, it became more passionate and strong. I kept on pushing and screaming, attempting to escape, but I couldn't break out of her muscly embrace. She enwrapped me and clasped me so I couldn't move and flew me up to the sky above the clouds. This is abuse, I thought to myself in that heavenly space, but my thoughts could not become words since she had her tongue in my face. Eventually we landed on a comet that was rushing past Earth. That's where she finally released me. Oh, God, thank God. She plopped me down on the grey moon rock. It was here she informed me that her name was Stammered, that she'd flown a great length to see me, that I was to be her bride. Hmm. It seemed rather peculiar. I wasn't in any way spectacular. I was just an IT consultant for Bashfield & Co. I wasn't the wife of a large godlike entity. So I said no. Oh. That's when she got really upset. She grabbed me by the hair and threw me with the full force of a horse back to our own blue planet. As I was flying back down to Earth at the speed of light, I thought about Gideon and our little pyramid fight. I wonder how long it had been and whether he had gone home. Or maybe he'd waited and worried about me, his mate. Either way, it didn't matter at all. By the time I landed, I'd probably be dead. So I waited patiently for the concrete to hit my nose. But once I got to the moment of impact, it was not hard coldness that met my face, but soft yellow pillow cushion instead. It was the pile of dead baby chicken carcasses that had come out my eggs. 
They had cushioned my blow, made sure I wasn't dead. I looked up at the sky and bellowed with relief. But as I was doing so, something smashed all my teeth. It was Stamets glass eye. It must have fallen as well. I was in absolute agony, but I didn't care. If swallowing a glass eye and losing my teeth is all that happens, then that's good with me. Three weeks later, Gideon informed me that four weeks later, Stamet had had her organs harvested by the state. Which, despite sexually abusing me and throwing me by my hair and smashing my teeth and destroying my ears, I felt was a little harsh. I mean, who wants to have their organs harvested? After I found out about that, I went to the shops to buy some eggs, because obviously last time they'd been lost. But none of that really matters, because that isn't by any means everything that happens. So I set out on a sunny Sunday afternoon to buy some eggs. And that's when everything happened. Max Barsley live in the studio with Breaking Eggs. How are you feeling, Max? You're very sweaty. Yeah. You look more like an alcoholic <laughs> than last week. In fact. <laughs> and I've, I've, I'm only like one third way through my uh, in podcast beer. <laughs> in podcast beer. <laughs> you know, you let yourself have one they're beer, like, oh, loosen Ma- up a bit. They're like, Max is here. Quick, get him a beer. Get him <laughs> a beer. It's going to be really wild. Otherwise, he'll shake through yeah. the whole thing. <laughs> we can't have you shaking about during this podcast. <laughs> That's a great idea, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> we have got a great episode live. Yeah. It's going to be truly fantastic. Um, so uh, we're going to be talking about Breaking Bad, and we're going to be doing a new item where we're talking about an unknown film to a cl- uh, to a sequel to a classic film. Mm. Uh, and we have, firstly, we're going to make an announcement. Yeah, it's our short film, Bangers and Mash. Bangers, Bangers and Mash. Yeah, uh, which you might have seen. It's on Dick Picks. Uh, it's about a guy who's eating a bunch of mash and sausages and. Uh, but he isn't the one humiliated. That has been selected to uh, be shown at Chorts Comedy Fest at the Angel Comedy Club on the 3rd of November. So if you are interested... And in, in London. And in North London, and you want to come down for two hours and meet us and also see the film on the big screen, uh, you can come along. Uh, we'd really appreciate you guys coming if you fancied it. Uh, so uh, we're having we have links to the ticket in the podcast description. Yeah, I yeah, imagine. yeah. It'd be great to see some faces, me and Sam, and a bunch of people who are working on the nervous film. Nervous Rex. Yeah, because uh, out three hundred and fifty two minute comedy shorts were submitted, and we're in the top ten. So we must be good in some criteria to someone's criteria somewhere. Absolutely. <laughs> we've, we've made it we've made it into the final yeah so yeah um, what did you think of uh, the monologue th- thing oh yeah that thing yeah. <laughs> breaking eggs yeah it's really good man yeah. uh, I, you, I think you should talk a bit about it yeah because um, um, basically like we were this is um, an offshoot from something I was doing at university um, where we, we what I like about my course is like our tutors and stuff just tell us to go and make things and then come back and showcase them I was like I'm going to write something I'm a writer yeah, like come and perform a monologue um, but yeah because I was um, really looking into I just like well, basically like I love like I do like hip hop stuff I like rhythmic I like I like things to rhythm I love that Birdman scene where they're speaking and I just love the idea of doing like a monologue that. So you like Birdman, you like hip hop, so you thought, <laughs> gonna write myself, gonna write myself a little uh, rhythmic monologue that fits with a drum beat. Yeah, um, it was really annoying because my girlfriend like was with me the other day, and I, I really keep I keep on getting annoyed by people telling me I've written a rap. Because my girlfriend was like lying in bed with me the other day, and I was like, How, well, so what do you think of that? Did you like it? She was like, oh, yeah, it was, like, great. You should have seen yourself. You just went off. You wrote. Everyone's like, oh, my God, what's going on? And then you like, everyone was, like, waiting and waiting. It's like, right till the end of lesson, you were still going. You came back with these papers. Like, oh, my God, Max has written something. And then you got up on stage, and there was, like, a spotlight on you. And then this beat came. And then you just gave off, like, one of the best raps I've ever <laughs> seen. And I was like, it's not a rap. I didn't do rap. It's got rap elements. It's definitely got it. rap elements. It's more of a poem, I think. Yeah. I was just looking at evocative language sort of mu- su- subtle references to like modern day culture you wanted it to be deliberately sort of confusing and non-linear right yeah yeah because i've been we you were, you bloody achieved it mate <laughs> yeah one of the one of the things was there's a there's a song called uh, the last time i did acid i went insane by Jeff, jeffrey lewis jesse pinkman jesse pinkman um but he he he's great because jerry lewis jerry it's not jerry lewis <laughs> it's jeffrey lewis it's jeffrey lewis yeah um which it's if you have listened 
tune too. It's a tune. Yeah. It's a tune. But that was a huge source of inspiration as well because it is just him on his guitar describing a time that he took acid. So he it takes on that really like non-linear, confusing way that like things can turn into themselves. I just decided to not have a reason for that happening and just do it anyway. Uh, just because like um, like there's a there's a playwright called Ionesco who is a big inspiration here as well. Oh. <laughs> What's going on about your old playwrights? Your theatre? No, I really like it. I really Mm. like a lot of gags in there, especially when you're waiting for two hours for the woman to go. (laughs) And the descriptions are very funny. It's a really great piece. um, And I think... Juxtaposing ingredients. Like, she has a bad eye and she's, like, got a lightning... Like, aggressive with beautiful... Abuse with, like... Abuse and a heavenly vibe, yeah. Yeah, chicken carcasses are actually the thing that save him from dying. So it's like a death or is actually the salvation... So that's why it's coming handy. Yeah, that's that's what I found like fun to well, play with. We got we we got here, um, we got here in the studio, and our producer Jack wasn't here. Yeah, he was late. He was late. He was off getting vegan lunch. <laughs> he was off getting vegan toasties. Instead leaving of coming into work, even us waiting around, sitting about, and this isn't waiting. the first time it's happened. It's the second time he's done it before. We're calling you out on the podcast, mate. You're in trouble now. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, yeah, and Max, Max did a little performance in, I in, did, in, yeah, to, the, to some some of Jack's colleagues who yeah. were nice enough to act like they enjoyed it. Act which like was they, really well, nice I think of they them. genuinely did. It's yeah. really good. Why are you no, so no, insecure it, about it? it? Is. No, I'm not insecure. I'm just insecure about everything. Anyway, and. Yeah, I think I think we should move on to yeah. the to the to the competition. Yes, we are going to do a competition. That's right. You can win a genie and the boy T-shirt, which is very fashionable. You know, we when we go out wearing them, we get lots of compliments. People lots of people going, go, "Oh, I like your jumper." It happened What's today because happened just today. Now. As yeah. I was coming out, I was wearing a genie and the boy jumper, um, and someone said to me, "Oh, I like your jumper." I, go, I went, "Thanks, I made it," which <laughs> is a good feeling. You can't say that if you win it. Yeah, but you could say we, I won it. The, yeah. So these genie and the boy T-shirts are handmade by me and well, they're they're they're, they're not handmade by us, but you know what we mean. We made um, them from. We did make them from scratch. We it's not. It's did, not like yeah. they're mass produced. No, they're no. quite limited, actually. Yeah, so. they're all in our house at the moment. They are all in our house <laughs> in, a, in a wardrobe, like <laughs> hanging up. Yeah. So yeah, so we were thinking, we we're scratching our heads on like what to do for a competition because we want to get you guys out out the woodwork. <laughs> yeah, come on, man. We're being quiet. We see all your listens. But... Yeah, we know you're there, but you're lurking. So what we want you guys to do is to email us a haiku. And or tweet it at us. Or tweet at us. Or, or s- comment on a face on a YouTube video. Or Instagram. Any any way we we will see. Yeah, we'll yeah. we'll see it wherever so, you contact but us. The best we'll way is to email at inquiries at nitpicks.co.uk. Uh, leave, leave a haiku and then also say why you want the t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, and the haiku can be about anything you want. But the one we enjoy the most will win a T-shirt, and we promise to be unbiased, yeah. uh, loyal, good judges. Yeah, and, and we will have. We'll read them out on the show. We will, and uh, yeah, postage will be included. Everything will be included. We'll, we've got you covered on every base. And it'll be international as well. So. And yeah, and we'll and we'll and we'll read out our collection of the haikus on the podcast. And shall we say like in two weeks' time, because we'll get uh, we're going to have someone else on next week and then the week after. Yeah, yeah, all right. Well, so yeah, two weeks from now, we're, we're announcing it. But we'll read some out next week if we get any. Yeah. But we won't make a decision. No. Uh, okay, so as well, what's going on with what we're writing? We wanted a dinosaur expert. We haven't got one yet. If you, anyone knows any dinosaur <laughs> illustrators... <laughs> Or dino experts, dino spurts. Uh, send them to us. You know, send them our no, way. We'll I get think them we on. We can write. I think we should write a full drama about this dinosaur mm. idea. I think it's got legs. You know, actually. Yeah. Because that gesture, that gesture idea. Um, you know, we we've spent a while talking about this, and then you've gone off and you've started making a jester piece at uni. <laughs> no, that's not true. Yeah, it's there's not... a jester in it. Yeah, there is a jester in it. And a king. Yeah. Yeah, there is. Yeah. But there's also a slave. And it's all set in Greek times. We weren't thinking of doing that. <laughs> well, we can't write a jester it, They'd king. be totally different in flavour. They'd be king, different in flavour, Sam. drama on this podcast Look, you when you're doing to, one off at uni. I, I think you're too sensitive about it all. You know, ideas are fluid, you know. No, no. Like you said, it, like, you think Spider-Man should be out for the public. I feel like jesters are out for the public as well. They are out for the public. It's fine. You, it's know, just, you don't it's, copyright jesters. I didn't... It's fine. It's just I don't think you should be working on two jester pieces at the same time. <laughs> I'm trying to help you out. Maybe I wanted to. 
Are you going to come back from uni one day and say, oh, yeah, we've got a piece about this dinosaur illustrator? And I'll be like, oh, well, fuck. Well, I, I was meaning to tell you, actually, <laughs> um, oh, that during uni today, for my directing module, I'm going to be doing a dinosaur illustrator. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think we should do this dinosaur idea. Mm. I think first scene is should be a monologue, mm. his perception, mm. you know, a little bit like, hi, I'm Johnny, <laughs> I'm Johnny Drawer. Do you know what? I, Yes, I agree. And second scene is should be more of a, a different kind. Maybe it's him like on a date with a woman, yeah, but always like talking about his dinosaur. Well, maybe that's how it should open. I quite like that. That's good. That's a strong opening, actually. Oh, thank you. It's way better than what I, I just threw that out there. <laughs> yeah, as no. well. well, a monologue could also. I quite like it starting with a monologue. Yeah. To lay out the character, because then if you go into the scene of him on a date with a woman, that you can make it more about the. You don't need to say as much in yeah, it, yeah. so you can actually have it more subtle if you wanted yeah. to. And then the second act's got to happen. So. Some at some point they either find a dinosaur, <laughs> which is really similar to his drawing, or something else is going to happen. And the fact that he's a dinosaur illustrator is just a character thing, mm. and it's not actually part of the plot. Yeah, yeah, I quite like that as well. Mm. Um, yeah, because I quite like the idea of like the woman being disgusted. Like the dinosaurs are a metaphor. Yeah, <laughs> the dinosaurs are a metaphor for something clever and witty. You know, maybe the dinosaurs are a metaphor for the for the, his past that he's denying himself and contorting in a different way mm. as well. Ooh, yeah, you I know, like it's that. quite a good. It's mm. quite evocative. The idea of dinosaur drawings being, you know, inaccurate to the truth. So he's got and maybe, repressed memories. Yes, yeah, he's got repressed, repressed memories. memories. It could be good. Can, maybe he's meeting with an ex and he's got repressed memories about what he's done with her. Ooh. It could be Ooh, something deep like dark. that. That doesn't sound very funny. Doesn't have to be. Doesn't have to be funny. <laughs> we don't have to do comedies on here. We can do legit shit, Sam. You know, don't put yourself in a bubble. Don't put yourself in a box. All right. Well, put yourself in a circle. Let's think about that and then update the listeners next week. Yeah. But, if you got, and again, like, but, we are open to ideas and suggestions. Yeah. We're open scripts. to lots of things, actually. We're almost open to anything. You know, we're sexually fluid as well. So absolutely, gender uh, fluid, gender sexually fluid. fluid. We'll go. We'll go whichever we're way just you want. Basically, liquid. I w I'm a puddle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a puddle. <laughs> German puddle. <laughs> um, so uh, I've got a new item. <laughs> it's called. Sam looked really insecure when he made something there. I've got a new item. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's called. I didn't know that existed. <laughs> uh, we talk about obscure films, which gives the response every time someone goes, "Huh, yeah. I didn't know that existed." Yeah. We just told some people at Studio Seventy One. I did while you were in the toilet, and they were all like, "Oh, I didn't know it existed." There you go. That's so, it. That's the response. <laughs> there is a sequel to Rocky Horror Picture Show, written which by also the same you bloke. might want to explain what Rocky Horror Picture Show is because oh, yeah, some people wouldn't might not know. I think most people know what at time. You say that you didn't. I knew what it was. Yeah, but you didn't. I hadn't seen it, but I knew yeah. what it was. Yeah, all right. Anyway, yeah, so there's a sequel to Rocky Horror Picture Show. It's written by the same person and directed by the same person, and it has a lot of the same cast members, including Rick Mayle. Yeah, from from the likes of Bottom. From the likes of Bottom and Young Ones. Which, if you haven't seen Bottom or Young Fred. Ones, they, these are all pivotal British TV <laughs> shows, um, which have defined me and Sam. Yes, we've spoken about Bottom when we were talking about when we did. Oh, that's it. right. Yeah. yeah, Rick Mail's a hero. Uh, yeah, Shock Treatment. It's called, and it was came out in 1981. So yeah, let's go back though. What the hell is Rocky Horror Picture Show? Rocky Horror How would you describe it? Rocky Horror Picture Show is like a camp like self-aware musical uh, which kind of has this like parodical like clown-like performance style um, where this man and woman who are like your conventional like 40s couple almost like hi honey how are you like that yeah, they've got yeah. they're, they're sort of that young couple they look like they could have come off the set of um, the John Travolta movie where he's a leather he's wearing a leather jacket and shit Grease yeah they look like they could came off they're the nerds that came off the set of Grease and they and their car breaks down and they come off come off to this like haunted horror mansion it's a real standard trope isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. and that what's fun about it is it bathes in these kind of like tropes it's really on the nose it's about all them. a musical as well but yeah. um, Dan our housemate 
uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show is his favourite film. Mm. And I watched it with him this week, and he was coming out with all these facts, because it opens with these lips for like mm. four minutes. It's just lips. And he was saying like, oh yeah, they're singing about this B-movie that came out, and, and they wanted to use footage from that, but they couldn't use it. They didn't get the rights to it. Oh. So so that's why they're just using lips. So we were like, let's get down on as an expert yeah, in Rocky sick. Horror. But he's, he's throwing up all morning. He's so got the gunk. He's got the gunk. He's, he's stuck with the gunk. Um, but, yeah, yeah. So it's a musical, but Dan described it as a as a rock opera. Yes, yeah, yeah. And I think definitely. that's quite accurate. That's very correct. Um, and so they come into this house and they want to find a place to rest and stuff. And they're met by a lovely uh, transsexual, a sweet transsexual from tran- a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. Yes. Uh, what what Tim played Curry. by Tim Curry? Yeah. But what's his the actual name of Frankenfurter? Frankenfurter. That's yeah. right. Um, and she sings one of the most or the transvestite Tim Curry sings one of the most iconic rock opera songs I'm just a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania that's really good thank you thank you coming in someone's got some singing chops <laughs> no um, you can rap you can sing what can't you right. do max and they're kind of they've sort of walked into the middle of like a sexual uh, not sexual uh, scientific sexual. showcasing though of yeah. uh, of uh, it's like a frankenstein yeah. thing they're bringing back this guy to life called rocky but instead of and, an ugly monster tim curry, he's like a sexy tim blonde beefcake tim curry is playing a transvestite <laughs> and this couple brad and janet who are in this castle who are like our broke down. We just we're just looking for a phone. He was like, Welcome. Yeah. And then they like stay there and Tim Curry comes in, <laughs> pretends to be he, he he starts off, he pretends to be Brad and he goes into Janet's bed and she's like, No, no, stop it. And then she fucks him. And then Brad's in bed. Yeah. And then Tim Curry comes in dressed as Janet and fucks Brad. So everyone it gets really sexual yeah. and then and then Janet later on fucks other people. She fucks Rocky. She yeah. fucks Rocky. Everyone fucking people is this insane environment Rocky is this like hunky blonde haired guy he's like a he's like a child because he's just been brought to life through bits and pieces of different (laughs) bodies and he's going around not knowing what's going on and Janet kind of has a thing with him but Dan told me that the guy was Swedish and he didn't speak any English and they dubbed (laughs) over everything he did his singing and his voice that's so funny (laughs) Um, and the the songs are amazing yeah Rocky Horror Picture Show is actually a pivotal film. It's an, it, I think it's an important film, both in terms of what it does for society, in terms of uh, breaking down barriers, in terms of sexuality, and you know, tra- cross-dressing stuff like that. It's very, very comfortable with that. Yeah. And for the time it was made, I think it's very progressive. It was very controversial when it came. Yeah, out. people uh, were upset. But also, it is a fantastically made film. It, mm. The sets are really characteristic. They've got so much personality to them. I think they filmed it in an actual creepy castle yeah it, it wouldn't it does yeah. it does seem like that they've got meatloaf in it who yeah. sings one of the best songs yeah, yeah. ever as well tim curry is amazing and tim well. curry is incredible and yeah. it's probably tim curry's best performance i would go as far to say in yeah a way. i mean in, who else is he he does a lot of good shots i mean he he, he, the clown no he's not I, oh he might be i don't think so though <laughs> um but he's, he's, not, he's done a lot acting. of bits but like rocky horror is like really he's just great yeah. um so so it's like that's existed on its own for ages and yeah. i've always i've liked it for a long time sam watched it recently and i didn't even know that we found out that there is like a this it's spiritual a sequel. sequel no it's an actual sequel no no but we read that it wasn't into, it's it, not an official sequel. exactly so it's like but a it's spiritual, got the same yeah. it's got brad and janet in it mm. it's the same writer and it's the same director i mean and they made it because Rocky Horror Picture Show was so popular in this midnight screening kind of thing. So mm. they said, "Oh, let's make another one." So it was, and he he the guy wrote the musical for for the film. So it was, I think it was very much, and he, all the earlier drafts of the script were to do with it being a sequel yeah. and like all this other stuff. So I think um, I think even though they say it's an unofficial sequel, I think it's an official one. So what were your thoughts on shock treatment, and what is it about? All right. Well, what's it about? Okay, it's like a giant game. Sh- I don't want to talk about it too long because, to be honest, like it's not really that special. It's just more like of a I surprise disagree. that I exists. disagree. I I think if you like Rocky Horror Picture Show, I think you can enjoy- you'll enjoy this quite a lot. Yeah, I think to be you, honest, I think you will enjoy it. But I don't know. I think it will also be it's it. It's going to always be in the shadow of Rocky Horror because it, it's not as good as Rocky Horror. No. So I mean, Rocky Dan, Horror is very much a flash in the pan. Dan isn't is it? like the biggest Rocky Horror fan I know, 
and he was pretty disappointed by it. Yeah, but Dan is also a cynical man who He's gets easily disappointed s- by snooty anything. Snooty Swiss man. <laughs> I, I'm sad to say, you know, I love... He's amazing, though, but uh, he is a snooty okay. Swiss man. Okay, so it basically, it's just Brad and Janet go on this game show, but all of it is like a sa- town called Denton, which they live in. and Which is as, also a game show. Which I think the whole town is, is on TV yeah. all the time, um, which they did for budgetary, budgetary reasons because they could only film in that TV studio. That was the only place they could shoot the film. Oh, really? So they changed the script to make everything be part of a TV show. So the hospital. So they they, they take Brad to a mental hospital because he's too boring mm. in, the, in the opening, which is really funny. And then the hospital is all a TV show yeah uh, as well and then janet goes home and sees her parents and then that's a tv show and they're constantly doing adverts for coffee machines and stuff and mm. i quite like that element, yeah. even though they have put that in for budgetary reasons uh, yeah. i actually really liked it and there's some really good and there's some good songs as well um the one where uh brad's getting sent to the insane asylum and they're like talking to appliances and yeah, confessing really like that, confessing yeah. their emo- their inner, inner yeah. insecurities to kitchen appliances is, is as a song is really funny it's like bitching in the kitchen and crying in the bedroom all night yeah <laughs> yeah. It, yeah bitching in, in the, the kitchen, kitchen and crying in the bedroom all night that's good yeah uh you know so i like that and it yeah, does have some moments doing little songs and the, to shower and it's all, curtains and, and toasters and it's all hosted by this really weird mm-hmm. blind <laughs> man who's pretending to be blind who's yeah. who's sort of a bit of a reference to like slightly hitler like he looks a bit hitlery <laughs> yeah, yeah um and he's got this like weird German accent and goes around being really handsy with like Janet and they start and they basically take Janet away and they start building her up to be the next big superstar of this town and she starts moving further and further away from her husband who's just kept in a cage (laughs) and completely medicated the whole time yeah so I think that's kind of weird and kooky and very dark with the first Rocky Horror with Rocky Horror there's so many characters that are quite likable. Mm. Uh, like Frank, Tim Curry's character is really likable. The characters are being, evil but yeah, likable. He's so camp and funny that you like him. And Brad and Janet are just like really overly naive, which is why they keep fucking different people <laughs> and they keep on like being confused about what's happening. And Rocky as well is like a, a victim. So essentially there's all these characters that you kind of feel for and you really like despite the overacting. Whereas shock treatment, the only character I really cared about or rooted for was Rick Mayo's character, <laughs> purely because he was played by Rick Mayo. And he doesn't even have and any he has lines. One line. He has one line. He has one line, <laughs> and it's his first ever gig. So I, yeah. at first, I was like, "How could they do this to Rick Mayo? Oh, Just yeah, put him in a corner." Sam was very <laughs> indignant. Yeah. yeah. But now, but then I saw, I looked up, and I was like, "All right, fair enough." They this gave is him his a shot. They gave gig. him a shot. They flew him all the way. Well, actually, it was filmed in London, so they didn't fly. <laughs> so anyway. Shut the fuck up, you <laughs> idiot. <laughs> We're going to fly you all the way to down the road, Rick Mayo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, That's what we felt know, like when we got some... the Studio 71 podcast yeah, gig. Yeah. <laughs> like, congrats. Just like, get two, like, two minutes. Whoa, we're packed for LA, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's just down the road. And oh. it's a shed. <laughs> and it's a shed in Jack's back garden. <laughs> 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 it's um, okay it keeps giving us booze so yeah. it's fine so I think basically go in to it if you're a fan of Rocky Horror Picture Show there's like a couple good songs there's like four I'd say uh, maybe even three maybe uh, even three yeah because yeah. it's the utensil one I like the one With Janet's the dad. dad does a song about being a man which is very man is, very which I really good liked. yeah that is funny it is funny um, and then after uh, also and I think the, the title is... track Shock Treatment's quite good oh yeah Shock yeah. Treatment is good and yeah because the um, the sets are amazing the, the sets are great again it does have a lot of the features that the original Rocky has but it's like it's pacing isn't quite as strong no. um, and his characters aren't as strong they replaced the feels... actors that played Janet and the main guy Brad, and the story yeah. uh, Brad and the story actually f- f- centres around them more as well you spend more time with them yeah. as characters um and yeah it, they're not quite as charismatic they're not doing the i do agree they're not doing the same level of performance whereas like everyone in rocky horror picture show is like overacting to the perfect degree yeah in this one janet and brad are a little bit more dialed back it's a little yeah. bit more of a grounded story for them in a way yeah um because they actually go through sort of solid arcs whereas like rocky horror is more just more of a happening it's yeah, like more exactly. of an event no yeah. one really like because the ending is like alien come in and it's like really weird <laughs> yeah, and you're yeah. just like fuck it yeah fight whereas this one they're like oh no you're my t- 
secret twin all along. Yeah, and, and that's and not it's quite just as a bit like it melodramatic. It, it doesn't feel tracks. as self-aware. Yeah, no. But there is one amazing part of shock treatment which I just really loved, which is <laughs> everyone goes to bed at the same time. They're all in the studio. The audience goes to sleep. Yeah, everyone's sleeping, and then suddenly there's this big burst of light, and there's suddenly this big burst of light, and they're all like, "What? What?" And then there's just a weird man who's just turned the lights on and he's holding a dead bird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's just waving this dead bird and he goes, is this dead bird yours? <laughs> yeah. And then she goes, ah! And then it just changes. like, And that's the whole, that is just so, the end of a scene. And, and actually, so like, I, it's not that, I would not recommend it to people. I would say it's worth watching. Like, If, if you're you a want, fan of yeah. Brazil. And if you're a fan of similar, Rocky Horror. Yeah, like, yeah. I think it's Brazil meets Rocky Horror. Uh, it's very 80s. Super it's 80s. Really 80s. Super, it, it does. It, it actually feels like it's got slightly similar set design to like 80s Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, little bit, a little bit. It's just, you're, you won't really feel things while watching it. You'll feel a bit numb. That's what I felt. I felt a bit numb. I felt entertained. Yeah, but I, f- I, I think really... you just feel numb because you're back on your meds. So it's just like getting back to you. I don't again. talk about that on here. Oh, I'm sorry. Am I not? Do you not want people to know? I don't want them to know. I'm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's move on. <laughs> we are next item is what's in the cinema. <laughs> but this what's one isn't cinema? even in the cinema. It's on Netflix. <laughs> it's just it's a Netflix event. Is how mm. they advertise. They this. love doing doing that, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. They do the Netflix event. This is. Do you the... think they'll ever release a film and just go? It's a new Netflix film, as opposed to calling it an a event. Netflix. <laughs> it's a new Netflix film. <laughs> Hi guys, we got a new film on Netflix for you to watch. They sort of did that with the Oscar, the one that got nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> they no, sort of said that was is, just a this film. This is quite a weird one because it's like a movie. It's a Breaking Bad movie. Yeah. Um, and Camino. Five El seasons. Camino or Camino? It's El Camino. El Camino. El Camino. Starring Aaron Paul. Bringing five, and six seasons fat to a close. <laughs> fat Damon. Farron, fat Aaron Paul and, and fat, fat Damon. Damon. Yeah. It's so, not even Matt Damon. So this is directed by Vince Gilligan, who made Breaking Bad. So it's written and directed by Vince Gilligan. And he's he's written two films before. That I, I found them online yesterday and the, the synopsis really made me laugh, so I thought I'd read them to you. So, this is the 1993 film Wilder Napalm. This is Wilder Napalm, yeah. Okay, this is this is his first film that he wrote, it's his first actual writing credit. When was this made? 1993. Okay, two brothers, the best year, <laughs> two brothers with the secret power of starting fires with their minds reunite after years apart only to find conflict with their differing lifestyles. <laughs> so, 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 um, is this just like, is this kind of like that film where, which with Ryan Reynolds and that guy from uh, that Arrested Development, where it's like, oh, I've got a fancy life and you've got a boring life, let's switch brains. But we can both start fires with our minds. But instead they can also start fires it's with their minds. pyrokinesis. Yeah, pyrokinesis is like a common thing in mythology, which yeah. is weird as hell anyway. Isn't there a Stephen King film where someone can start fires? There might be. I think there <laughs> Stephen is. King is no, whack. There's is. Carrie, which yeah. is, she does start a fire with her mind, but so, she yeah. can't do it directly. And that had Dennis Quaid in. So, ew. so what do you think their differences are? <laughs> what do you think know. the differences are? They I can't don't know. They can start fires with one, them. Like, one's one, evil. <laughs> one's good. One of them works in accounting. <laughs> the other one is a motocross bike driver. <laughs> However, will they get on? Steve, uh, can you can you do the accounts by Monday? Please? No, man. I just like riding my motorbike. <laughs> I set you on fire with my mind. I set my motorbike on fire. Wow. Um, and then, so then he doesn't make another, he doesn't write another film for five years. It's probably for the best. That I pitch reckon sounded awful. In that five year time, he's probably taken a bit of meth. Probably, probably gone. I reckon he's gone to the desert and done some acid to inspire him. Yeah, well, that's what, yeah, because this one's called Home Fries. Yeah. Pregnant Sally unknowingly falls for the stepson of the deceased father of her baby and has to deal with his homicidal family. Mm. That kind of sounds interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Pregnant Sally unknowingly falls for the stepson of the deceased father of her baby and has to deal with his homicidal family. What the fuck? <laughs> Hang on, what? What? And apparently it's very, um, apparently everyone Is it very thought, incesty? Well, I don't know, because I haven't seen it, but everyone thought that it was going to be like a white 
like American, like kind of lowbrow comedy film, but actually it's quite like avant-garde <laughs> and like weird, <laughs> and that like it hasn't fa- it never found its audience according to one review. But well, it has now. It has now. Two melt boys sitting across we'll, from each other. We'll that's these. his audience. We'll watch these for next week. You should. Yeah. You guys should watch these too if you can find them. Watch along then, with us. And then he doesn't write another film for ten years. Mm. And the next film he makes is Hancock. He wrote Hancock. Vince Gilligan wrote Hancock with Will Smith. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it all makes my sense. My favorite superhero movie. He made it. He I'm made it. I'm an alcoholic because I can't it. deal with being super. <laughs> it's tough being a Superman. <laughs> Uncle, do drugs. <laughs> oh, fuck you. Fuck you. I'm fine. I don't super give a shit. I'm Will Smith. I'm I've basically no a Scientologist. Mm. I ain't wearing time. Fuck off! <laughs> I'm a I'm a leather-clad hero. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, well Hancock yeah. Hancock is trash. Yeah. Vince Gilligan's had a bit of a trash career <laughs> up until Breaking Bad. Yeah. No. Well, and then yeah, Breaking Bad. We all love Breaking Bad. Slash. I mean, it's the best show I have, ever made uh, ever. Just to preface this, I watched El Camino without having having seen all of Breaking Bad. Yeah. I, I dipped out of Breaking Bad at around season four. I I think you I could still I was, follow it, right? I could I could follow it fine. But you did have me t- explaining. You were just happened. there nattering. But next like, to I me. didn't really give you any information that was that important. No, I found it cool though. It was story of my life. Um, yeah, I just I just I realized I zoned out of Breaking Bad because I didn't really correlate how bad killing people was. <laughs> like you know how it's yeah. got to be a. Decision. Every time they kill someone in Breaking Bad, they're always like, I can't believe I've done this. It's so bad. Uh, yeah, and I think at that time I was like, shut up. People kill people all the time in movies. <laughs> so I was, Stop being a pussy. You know, when I was 16 or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I, or maybe it's you because cool. he's going to die. So I'm like, yeah, he can kill people. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It just didn't impact me that well. So let's go through El Camino. Overall thoughts of El Camino. Um, you know, I think it was without uh, going into too many details. Yeah, so spoiler free, uh talk of El Camino. I think it was okay. Like it was fine. Yeah. Um it, it kind of happens, it go it just takes you through it. It's like it doesn't really have a clear through line about what it wants to be about necessarily or either you know, it, it's like Did it feel like a film? No, it, it felt like a long episode of Breaking Bad. That's what it yeah. is, I would say. Yeah. It's just a long episode of Breaking Bad that Less we didn't really event. need. Yeah. But it's not unwelcomed. It, yeah, be because it, because there's some very good scenes in there. There's some really good scenes that play out. And it, it, it is just like Jesse Pinkman trying to do something, little things getting in his way and him trying to resolve yeah. those We've subtitled this, El Camino, Jesse's Journey to Alaska. Because <laughs> yeah. that's all it is. Jesse just goes to Alaska. That's, that's Jesse's it, journey, journey to, to Alaska. Alaska. And, and you you get told that from the get-go yeah. so yeah so, so let's go the first scene is with Jesse. are we going into spoilers now yeah we're gonna go into spoilers so check it out if you like breaking bad it's we, fine yeah it's, it's good fine. it's good and if you haven't seen breaking bad just watch breaking bad and we're going to so dissect dissect why it's sort of middle of the road we're gonna go through el camino scene by scene in the, our new item scene by scene <laughs> frame by frame <laughs> <laughs> so yeah the, the first ever the first scene is uh jesse and mike are like by the by the water yeah, uh, which is where Mike died. Yeah, spoilers. Uh, and Mike tells says to Jesse, "You got a lot of money, kid." And he's like, "What would you do, Mike? If you're my age and you had all this money, what would you do?" And Mike goes, "Ah, I go to Alaska." And then and, and then Jesse like looks at him like, "Hey, that seems like a good idea." And that sets him up on his journey to Alaska. To Alaska. Yeah. Um, Which he never spoke about. So does does a, he ever speak about that in the Breaking Bad series where like no. Walter White's like, "What would you do?" He's like probably go to Alaska. Like did he ever have that? No. Just never. No, so no. so it's just shoved no, in. No. Jack, could you not cough during the podcast by the way? Like Cause you've got a mic now. Yeah, like, like honestly. Yeah. I mean, it's turned off, but yeah. that is a huge cough. So. Coming in late and coughing, interrupting our <laughs> train of thought get a strep seal down you or gal <laughs> no not got a dino spurt waiting for us in the in, in the studio <laughs> it's been disappointment after disappointment anyway where were we Jack, you're, yeah, you're yeah we really job. like you actually yeah, 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 he's so, doing a great yeah. job and it's okay everyone's got anyway, the gunk nowadays yeah, yeah everyone's ill everyone's dying uh, um, brexit's happening we're all gonna yeah, there's two protests um, happening on saturday yeah, there's two happening t- on tomorrow on saturday <laughs> yeah. anyway yes yeah, so so yeah mike mike i think they just wanted to chuck in a scene with mike but also given that motivation then it goes into present day what happened after the end of breaking bad jesse's driving in the car and he's screaming he's covered in cuts and he's also put on quite a lot of weight 
<laughs> Aaron Paul is a, I don't get why they didn't get the guy a trainer because it's like quite noticeable that the guy now has double he now has a double chin when he's just been he's both you just, sort of noticed that from the first scene yeah, he's been, yeah, yeah, exactly. You sort of always notice that, but, but you could have you could have established in that scene with Mike that he could be a bit porky. That's all right. I don't mind that. But Jesse's just been kept, held prisoner by a group of Nazis. He's been put underground. And he looks like he's just come out of and, White and Castle. He, he does. He's had a couple burgers. I know. It doesn't make. It doesn't he make he sense. left his Nazi prison cage. Yeah, and he's spending the whole movie being like, "I was tortured, man. It was fucked up." But he's considerably larger, covered in scars and stuff. But he, he looks like they fed him well. Yeah. <laughs> this one. Yeah. And his Nazi torturer seems well fed as well. Yeah. We'll get on to Fat Damon. We'll get on to him. Yeah. So so then he he goes around Skinny Pete's and Badger's house. Uh, Their opening scene is kind of nice, but it is also just that scene from Forty Year Old Virgin. Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly that scene it's where like they're playing games and, and going you're this you're this yeah well you like driving Miss Daisy well you're so slow you drive like my grandma oh, <laughs> except it's not not quite as funny and yeah. you've just seen Jesse Pinkman like cry in his yeah. car and scream yeah, and his badger and skinny pink <laughs> Skinny Pete up to their old antics. Yeah. Jesse turns up at the they door. They are likable, though. They are nice guys. Yeah. I like them. I'd be mates with them. I would as well. We need Skinny Pete in our life. I thought I was your Skinny Pete man. Yeah, well. Unbelievable. Mm. I thought we were like the Skinny Pete and, and the badger. other guy. Yeah, I'm you're badger, like, you you're are skinny. Badger. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Jesse turns up at the door and he. Not Jesse, really they don't recognise him at yeah. first. And then Probably because he he's so fat. He comes in, eats a bunch of noodles and crashes out on the bed. Yeah. While Skinny Pete and Badger just potter around. <laughs> yeah. Watch a bit of the they news. They just watch a bit of the news. Yeah. Jesse wakes up Catch in the up morning. Catch up with the politics, maybe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Go, checks up on their Conan O'Brien. Go like, can watch some Conan O'Brien, some late night with Stephen Colbert. Jesse wakes up and he, he for, he's forgotten where he is. He still thinks he's held prisoner. So he starts screaming and like trying to get out of that room. Uh, Skinny Pete and, and Badger shoots them. come in. He pulls a gun on them. They're like, whoa, whoa, man, chill out, man, chill, chill. And then he's and then like, he does. Uh, he chills yeah, he out. chills out then. He has a shower. You can see Gets all the dirt coming rem- off his back. Remembers getting washed with a hose yeah, horribly. Yeah, he remembers all his Nazi prison on prisoner torture yeah and yeah and then he decides that he's got to get rid of his car because um, the government's tracking the government's <laughs> gonna get him if they see the car so he finds up an old scrap dealer we guy. never quite figured out why the government or how the government I, are tracking the car uh, yeah because the scrap dealer comes over and he checks the car and it's got and he says like oh I've got to get out of here the feds are coming I'm like how 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 is it and he's like, the thing's been activated. The thing, <laughs> the thing in the back. The thing, the government's activated it. Run! So Skinny Pete immediately comes up with like quite a genius plan, which I was quite confused at how this like. Weird Does he never crackhead. come up with clever, clever plan, plans before? No, he's never come up with a clever plan before. Aaron Paul or Jesse yeah. Pinkman has before. But... Uh, the, those boys just set Jesse up. Yeah, like they fully. Him, they give him a bunch of money and they they all swap cars and all disappear. Uh, and it's here that we get the first proper flashback, uh, which is back to where Jesse is in in his hole, and who gives him a visit? None other than Fat Damon. <laughs> so this guy, he used to be called, everyone used to say laugh about how this guy looked like Matt Damon, and he was in Black Mirror. Yeah. And blonde. And he was he's in blonde. Breaking Bad. He's like blonde Matt Damon, but he's put on so much weight. He's put on some kilos. He is overweight at this point. He's not even like chubby. He's like actually like. And it doesn't even matter. And that's fine. That's you know, they fine. look good. Yeah, the they guy, look, you know, he, he wears the weight well. Yeah, yeah. You know, he look, he's got a good dad bod going for him, and I respect it. <laughs> There's like, nothing wrong. I've got with, nothing against it as an aesthetic. Yeah. Like here us out. Except. You know, and Aaron Paul pulls off the double chin as well. We both have them. Yeah. We're both a little porky. Like, that's cool with that's us. Fine. Like, you know, it's fashion. Girls like him. Like him like that. When you're right, doing... Jack? Yeah. Yeah, he's But got when it. you're doing a flashback to the... an event that happens before. in a show where we can see them when they were skinny, like, <laughs> Cause, we know. Because Fat Damon was killed by Jesse at the end of the last episode and he was Finn. And that's why El Camino shit. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, it, no, but no, here, there, it does. It does does provide a problem because it's it does provide a mild problem because it does take you out of it I know like, you know this is a drama you're trying to get sucked into the emotional core of what each scene is trying to be about um, and you know <laughs> every time we got into a flashback or something we were just like they're so fat like why didn't they just get a trainer in so they looked like they did in the flashback 60 grand would have probably paid for a personal trainer for both of them 
<laughs> well, I don't know. I have no idea how much yeah, Jasmine Chain I'm just saying roughly. It's probably, probably be less a, than t- it's 60 Matt grand. from Always Sunny. Yeah, he can... beefed the fuck up for Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. That's it. He beefed up. He put on weight. Like, he, uh, he's done all sorts of things with his buddy for like a sitcom that like barely wins any awards, <laughs> yeah, even though it deserves them. It, <laughs> and breaking, and, and break, breaking Bad is like Breaking Bad is like culturally important, and people claim it's like the best show ever. So why why have they just allowed this to happen? Huh? Anyway, but the scene with Fat Damon and Jesse is really nice. Actually, I really passes him so down the cigarette. The thing, yeah, the thing is, like all all the flat the flashback sequences are some of like the better bits. It was, like, a bit of hit and miss, really. Like there's some some of the later ones maybe don't vibe with me as much. Well, this particular scene I but really like because yeah. of the way that um sorry I don't know the name of the character Todd I think is called. I like the way that Todd is framed. Mm underneath behind these bars and it really we see it from the perspective you, you of get, Jesse you get to see the status yeah play, the interplay of status it, that scene itself that flashback with him and the uh, with Fat Damon uh, doing their thing because they go he runs constantly doesn't it? it doesn't cut back they just go he gets him out and stuff like that I really like the light uh, they're using this yeah. whole thing and then he drives him around because it, it, it's a great interplay of status the whole scene is just like a super great shift constant yeah. shifting in status yeah. um, which just makes it really gripping so and, it's and well written Todd's, as hell Todd's character is kind of like this weird like kind of sociopath psychopath kind of character yeah who takes a keen liking as well he to likes Jesse yeah. as well at first me and Max both thought that he was gonna <laughs> he was gonna diddle with Jesse yeah we, we thought we thought he was gonna take Jesse to a house and fuck him yeah <laughs> but that doesn't happen, doesn't happen. thank <laughs> god <laughs> so by the time he takes and he takes Jesse to go and bury a body. Yeah, By the time we got there, we're like, oh, it's just a dead body. It's not even a yeah, big deal. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. People kill people he's, all the he's time. He's not in diddling movie. Jesse. Yeah, yeah. He takes Jesse to his apartment yeah. and he shows him the dead body of his cleaning lady who he has choked to death. And Todd is just completely unemotional about it. And it's a really funny scene. I mean, I like And he's like cooking lot. Jesse's soup. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's this dead body on the floor and, he's, and, and Jesse's just like, why did you kill her? And it's because she found where he stashed his money which is a bit of a weak uh, motivation to kill her in a way it's essentially just Todd has gone Jesse I'm going to get you out of your hole and I'm going to drive you to my house and I'm going to show you that I've got loads of loads of money that's like the ultimate purpose of the scene it come in handy for later if you ever on. break out of here and I die <laughs> that might be you useful for you to know yeah, and Todd is sitting there eating soup and he basically goes to Jesse Oh, I've got to find a new hiding place for my money. I've got an idea though, and no one will ever find it. Flash forward, Jesse is in Todd's room, stripping up all the walls. Uh, he's looking for this secret stash of money, and it's so. This is a really good sequence where you see Jesse like frantically searching for this cash, and we are just as curious and desperate as Jesse to know where he's hidden it. Because you know, as we as audience members, we like a good mystery. I wouldn't assume everyone was like that. I was though. Yeah, well, you might have been, but, yeah. you know, old Todd from New Heath <laughs> might have felt differently. Todd from New Heath? Yeah, he might not have liked that scene as much as you. You know, I just don't think the audience will appreciate you saying us all, putting them in yeah, a okay. broad bracket. Fair, fair enough, but I thought it was a very engaging No, it was scene, good. I loved the way it, it looked was great, as yeah. well. It was one of the parts that really felt like it was a film as opposed mm. to a TV show. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it was really, it was really quite quite good that bit then we get another flashback uh, where Todd uh, and Jesse are burying the body or it's part of all the same flashback because no, you yeah. get him and he's just desperate he's upset but the, I wanted and to talk fun. about this part in the flashback where uh, where uh, Todd Todd uh, tells Jesse to get some cigarettes out of the glove box and he sees a gun in there mm. and Jesse comes over and points a gun at Todd no he he, he just holds it. yeah gun he's just like holding he the gun yeah. he's, he, you can, he's clearly he's thinking about it but, but he doesn't get that far. he's getting a bit of that uh, what's it called where you fall in love with your captures um Stockholm Syndrome. Syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he's That's got, we have he's with got Jack, a bit of Stockholm Syndrome. Because we've been in his basement for ages. Because so. Todd is like, Jesse, give me the gun. Because after this, I was going to get you some pizza. Come get some pizza, bro. Do you like pizza? Yeah. Because you did a good job. You earned that pizza. And Jesse buckles, gives him the gun because he can't deal with it. Gets cold feet. And that scene is later mirrored later on. Immediately after. Uh, immediately. <laughs> it's like it's immediately not even after. subtle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When Jesse, Jesse finally finds the money in the lining of the fridge. Ooh, that's for? where me and Sam keep our cash as well, which Don't we thought tell coincidental. That's all right. We have no money at the moment. So yeah, no so there's nothing in the lining of our fridge. But when fridge. we do have cash, yeah, gonna, that's where it is. Yeah, we're going to put it in the lining of our fridge. Uh, <laughs> and just as he finds it, 
these two FBI guys turn up and they start to search the they start to search the uh, room as well and those scenes got really loads of tension I was on the edge of my seat I was like are they going to find Jesse what's going to happen yeah I agree um, I, I, the build up is good but I don't think the payoff is like a, is, is as strong in a way I yeah well yeah because the build-up's really great and it all escalates to a point where um one of the fbi guys uh it looks under this mattress and jesse pops out he's like surprise yeah uh, well not like that but you know so he says i'm not a cop killer he, he doesn't says, say i'm not a cop killer yeah he doesn't you play say cool you play cool man and and i won't have to kill you man <laughs> call in your friend <laughs> call him in man call him in bro uh, does he say it like that no 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 he does he says no. it exactly yeah. like okay, that okay sure that a really yeah, good yeah, impression thank you thank you uh, yeah, so then there's this like Mexican standoff kind of thing. Uh, the cops overpower him by telling him that they've got. Well, they, they get him to they get him to buckle like he did in the flashback like that we just, just like seen. in the flashback. He just goes, "Oh, I put my gun down then. I still win, but take me in. <laughs> <laughs> take me in. I'm sorry." <laughs> yeah, you, 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 for this time because it's the second time in a row, you're like, "Oh, for fuck's sake, Jesse, <laughs> you idiot! Yeah, when you, I thought you'd learn. I thought you'd learn and from then that." Plot twist: They're not cops. They they are, they are more Nazis pretending to be cops and they are also looking Are they for Nazis the or are they just dudes who worked no. for the Nazis? Uh, yeah, I don't know. So one of those. <laughs> but if they work for Nazis, it makes them sort of bad. They're Nazi affiliates. You know, one of them actually helped, which we find out in a later flashback. <laughs> build the cage. One of them helped, yeah, build, build Jesse's like shackles. It, it didn't even look like the so same was, guy though. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I was like, is that the same guy? It didn't look like it. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't know. It was the same guy. Um, and then, so they they get Jesse. So they've got some guilt, you know. They're bad people. <laughs> yeah, they're <laughs> they are bad, bad people. They're bad. Anyway, there's a whole thing that happens. It's all really boring. There's a thing with a neighbor, and they Jesse... do, they're constantly doing this thing with a neighbor, trying to build up tension. But then Jesse like kills over. They tie him up, and then Jesse's like, "Oh, I know where the money is." So they have to untie him. He shows them where the cash is. He starts taking the cash, and then Jesse's like, "Jesse's like, I'm taking." it. He's like, "What do you think you're doing? Taking that?" I points the gun at you. him. Yeah. And then Jesse's like, you're not going to shoot me. People will hear and then you'll get fucked. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, all right, take a third. <laughs> so it's like all that tension build up, everything that had been building up to that moment in a way. And like, it does just get resolved yeah. through conversation. Yeah, exactly. And also the fact that these guys come in right when he finds the money is also a little bit like, oh. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it, it, yeah, yeah. It's it, you know, it's it's fine, but it is just like playing on these things, they, and it's like they could have had a little moment where like someone sees that there's movement happening when Jesse's searching, and then what I think, what yeah. I think I find maybe a little bit frustrating about the film um, is that like Jesse, as the film progresses, doesn't really seem to like learn anything. He overcomes his goals that he needs to, but he doesn't seem to progress as a character. And I think what, that example is really good because you, you see that flashback of him buckling under the gun and it's an opportunity to show character development of him going maybe yeah. or or doing something else but finding a, a way of pressing forward and I guess he does that by taking the money but he just talks his way out of it and just gets a third yeah. of the cash Yeah. so it doesn't feel like it's a victory for his, him as a person spent ages trying to look for it it's a bit of a like alright fine Yeah. anyway moving on Jesse immediately goes to a vacuum cleaner shop because earlier on in Breaking Bad, this is one of the things, if you hadn't seen Breaking Bad, you'd probably be confused about. This vacuum cleaner guy has previously given Walt a brand new identity. He's someone who takes you far away, gives you a brand new identity, you basically disappear. And for this service, he charges a certain amount of money. This scene 125k. Yeah, this scene is quite funny. I, I quite like... It's like sort of an old... Again, it's the, the scene where Jesse has the most amount of character. Yeah. But essentially what it all boils down to is Jesse's $1,800 short and he can't afford to pay for the service. So he has to go and get more money even though he's got a fully functioning car like that he could have sold. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know why he didn't just like offer to throw in the car. It's not like he needs the car because he gets a new one. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Well, maybe it wasn't worth one thousand eight hundred. Maybe not, but it would have been worth at least something. He would need pay, less. I'd have paid the ground for it. So then Jesse's in a kerfuffle. We do get a flashback to him and Walter White at some point. Yeah. Does that's, that happen after this? No, that's later. That's Even after, later. That's later. That's way later. <laughs> My bad. So then. so what happens is Jesse then calls his he calls his mum. Oh yeah, and he gets her to go away so that he can break into the house and he can steal some guns, so he can go back to those Nazis who were pretending to be FBI guys and try and get the money back off them. 
Yeah. So <laughs> then it's the climax of the film, essentially, is this scene in The Welding Company um, where he comes in and he's just basically asked them for $1,800. So, yeah, again, so, yeah, he goes in and he asks him for $1,800. The, guy, the guy's been doing coke and he's all off off on his night. He's like, yeah, okay, I'll give, you know, we have some build-up to it. Jesse's like, oh, I just need 1800 If you give that to me, I'll be out of your hair. And this guy's coked up and he's like, this guy's like, the other guy's like, don't give him another cent. Don't do it. Don't do it. And he's like, no, shut the fuck up. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to kiss you. I'm going to make out with you. If yeah, you keep he gets really close up to him. Uh, and he goes to Jesse like, well, do, let's have a shootout to decide. Gets, like the Wild West. Like, and he's like, like the Wild West. And uh, the scene I itself is yeah, cool. I, yeah. I totally love it. The content of it is great. I like the way it's shot, and I like the concept as well, like just putting a modern-day shootout in a film and doing it like that is cool, and the way Jesse wins it is cool. Um, the problem I have with it... Yeah, he, he's he got two guns. Yeah. One's in his pocket, one's in his front, but they don't know he's got the second gun in and his pocket. And he just like does a surprise. So he shoots him through his pocket. Reminds me of the Sister Brothers uh, book where they where they as cut. Oh, there's a movie of that. Now. Oh yeah, we should check that out. Yeah. Um, but the Sister Brothers book where they they pretend to count down and then they just shoot before they count down. It's so funny, um, and that's cool. The whole sequence is great. But the problem that I have with it is like this is the oh, final my. film. This is an event sold to us by Netflix. This is like a big moment. This should be huge, and really. Uh, we've had like two scenes with these guys and I don't really like un- like it doesn't feel like and it, it feels practical for, for Jesse to do this it doesn't feel like there's anything to do with him on a personal basis yeah. these villains don't have a lot of status to them yeah. they're kind of pathetic from the get go anyway yeah, yeah. they're kind of fumbly from the beginning you know Jesse's gonna win like you don't really question that tension at all yeah um and so like actually like it as the final pivotal moment you know the final sequence in in breaking bad as well there doesn't seem to be any poetry at play there yeah there doesn't seem to be any narrative like fish uh a narrative pathos to it there's nothing that jesse's overcoming on an emotional basis he's just trying to fuck off he's trying to trying to get out and this is the last hurdle that he needs to get over Yeah, yeah and to him you know he kills these guys and it, it, he's killed people before, you know. Yeah. It does, it is it's not, just it's kind not of a like challenge. The last him. thing he's just sort of got to do, but he's uh, yeah. You're right. You're right. And also with Jesse's character, I mean, it's not really necessarily like. I mean, it's not like necessarily you know because like Jesse, a thing that Jesse, the final moment for Jesse that he had to overcome, you know, in terms of narrative poetry, was him killing Todd or the death of Todd. Yeah, that's that's his last that poetic. That felt a bit stronger. That's yeah. his last piece of poetic justice, really. This guy is just a schmuck who's in his way. Yeah. So it's like it, it, the fact that that's what the main conflict of the entire film culminates to. It's just not very like. It looks great. The scenes are shot well. The the way they're orchestrated as well. Even the way they're written. It, you know, the way with those scenes culminate through. Writing is well done, but it, it's about like what they mean within the, with it for Jesse's character and what they mean in the broader narrative. And in the broader narrative of Breaking Bad, I don't think it really means much. No, right? it doesn't. It means diddly squat. In <laughs> fact, <laughs> no, and then Jesse, and then Jesse blows up the welding base just because mm. that's where he was held torture yeah and they, there's a big explosion which they could have used that money to get a personal trainer <laughs> <laughs> we need an explosion this is a movie kid this is a movie <laughs> and then there's a flashback to walter white brian cranston is back as yeah. walter white and he's always great and it's like a season one i think it's i think it's season one they've got the van era. yeah, they yeah got the he's got a van. mustache he's bold and they've got the rv and yeah and but jesse looks about 30 and they're talking about high school um yeah. and it's a bit w- Brian Cranston is amazing at coming back into that role. He performs it really well. He performs well. it so well. It's a shame that the scene itself is kind of meandering and pointless, yeah, really. Yeah, I know. It's, just it's actually scene. the worst of all the flashback just, scenes as well, in my opinion. It's just a scene to... Well, I, I disagree with that. There's one worse one. All right, that's well, late. yeah. That's the last you one. Might, you might... You yeah. might... I might agree with yeah, you. Yeah, I, I, I like the scene because I like season one Breaking Bad. But, yeah, but uh, like, actually the content of the scene is just like... But if that scene like was in season one Breaking Bad, you'd be like, cool, I didn't yeah. need this. It doesn't contribute in nearly anything. I mean, I guess it's implied that... Because he goes, oh, what are you going to do, Jesse? You should go to college. You should study business at college. And I think it's slightly implied that he's going to take that advice. Yes. Which is kind just of like cute. like he took Mike's advice which to is go kind to Alaska. Of, yeah, which is kind of cute. 
Um, but like that's oh. it. But that, that's and that's kind of my issue with these flashbacks as well. Is it is like it is just going. They're just shoving in motivation for Jess, known yeah. characters to give Jesse motivation. Yeah, and the motivations are kind of very like his based around his actions as well. Mm. They, 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 we don't even see mo- moments where they're impactful to him on a personal basis. It's like just conversations he's had with people going like, "What would you do if this?" And they're like. <laughs> I do this, or have you tried this, Jesse? So it, it's not even like really interesting I'm moments. Store all my money in the house. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's really I'm like go, I would go to Alaska. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I would study business. <laughs> so it's just like shoving in little things, but none of it's like none of it's like really important moments for Jesse. It's just like these are the things that lead Jesse to making this decision now. Or like, like <laughs> yeah, but so I mean, I'm not. Like, it's not an unwelcome scene. Because I, no. I I don't mind it. I, it's just a bit pointless. But it's not. It doesn't slow the film down no. to me anyway. I'm not angry that it's there. I'm just like, it doesn't. It doesn't need to be. There. And you always just know in the back of your heart, like in the back of your heart, in the back of my the, heart, Walter White back. sitting there going, <laughs> Jesse, we need to cook. We need to cook more meth. <laughs> you, you know what you know is in the back of in in the back of your head, like you do know that it didn't. None of this really needed to be made. No, yeah, it, exactly. You didn't need to tell. Vince, you didn't need it's to. It's Vince hit. Gilligan's ego stroking. Yeah, we didn't need to see how Jesse got to Alaska. Yeah, anyway, what, Je- yeah, sorry. Sorry, let's just let's just finish it and then we can we can wind up because there's only one scene left now. Jesse he arrives in Alaska he drives away we get one last flashback with Jane well he sends a letter to the boy whose mother he sends, a, he sends a letter to Brock but we don't see what the letter says oh, yeah. then there's a flashback with Jane oh yeah and Jane talks about her philosophy of just going with things and how it's bad and how it's bad and you need to carve out your own life carve out your own life and, and then, that's what Jesse's doing <laughs> ends with a flashback from Jane and then that's the that is the end and then Jesse's in Alaska and we're watching you, you watched it Jake we watched it with our friend Jake um, and both of you went oh yeah <laughs> well because, because the most interesting point of that the most interesting thing to explore within this entire thing is Jesse in Alaska like doing yeah. something else like yeah. adapting to a new environment like Jesse's journey to Alaska <laughs> like that <laughs> that journey it didn't even do it didn't even seem to change him as a person he just got the cash together and fucked off like what's funny as well is that my brother phoned me and he was like oh, how come he no shit but then he also was like oh my friend fell asleep watching it and then I spoke to my friend and he said he fell asleep watching it as well <laughs> and, and when we watched it Jake fell asleep Jake watching it Jake fell asleep so, watching it <laughs> if anyone's seen it did any of their friends fall asleep watching to it is this a common problem? are we all falling asleep to El Camino are is we? it all sending us to sleep <laughs> or is this just our mates who are, yeah. all may have ADHD we don't know yeah, or may have a severe sleep Sleep deprivation from staying up all night. I think overall, uh, Vince Gilligan made Breaking Bad big highlight of his career. He deserves all the praise he got for that. Yeah. And then immediately after, he does Better Call Soul. And now after that, he's done a Breaking Bad movie. Guy, time to move on. Make something else. Cause do something new. Do something new. Because the yeah. guy's clearly skilled the in problem, places. The thing is, is that, again, I don't think El Camino is bad really it's just okay it's just fine it's, it's fine point, it's and pointless it's pointless but there are some really great scenes in it there's some great moments in it like yeah. we said we've like illustrated how we've enjoyed how scenes are put together yeah um but you know it, it doesn't leave an impact it's not really like saying much it's just sh- it's it, it's an illustrate it's a yeah it's illustrating as a did it make you want to go back to breaking bad not particularly. To be honest, it didn't make me that curious. I, I get a little bit. I probably will revisit. Yeah. So <laughs> I just did. went from no to yeah. <laughs> you were like, I was thinking you were like no, 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 wait. Well, actually, well, yeah, I'm yeah, thinking, no. I'm thinking about it. I just, I don't know. I don't know until we- whether or not I'll watch it yet. I don't know when I will. So it will take- It makes me want to go Rewatching back. Breaking Bad will take like a bit of work for me. Yeah. Like, because it's like six seasons. And like finding the time for that is a whole other thing. Yeah, it made me a bit curious. For the later seasons, I think. I think all the flashbacks as well is kind of... They're, they're fun, but also a little bit unnecessary because the Breaking Bad show never flashbacks, mm. ever. They just move it along 
you know, all in one continuity. And I think if this film was constructed as it's just Jesse's film and we're just seeing Jesse move and his mm. stuff and they didn't they didn't focus on these flashbacks, I think it it probably would have been a bit stronger because it would have forced them to make those present day scenes yeah. it like would, make I sense think it would and have, have forced, that flow. I think it would have forced them to excavate where he's at there in the yeah. in the moment more and try and understand what he wants to do. You know, they'd have to fill more things in. That that means Jesse has to have more interactions with people. It means you should end up excavating who his character is in the present. Instead, you have lots of scenes which are flashbacking to us, so so we know what Jesse wants to do, yeah. which is go to Alaska yeah. and take a business degree, and now live in and now carve out his own place in the world oh. as opposed to follow the universe. Which I'm like, good for him, but like. If they release like another film, which is like Jesse in Alaska, like building that. a business, I'd probably be more interested in that. You'd make more meth. Make more meth. Just don't learn anything. That would be lit. Yeah. So that was El Camino. Um, let us. Yeah, that was an interesting way of reviewing it on here. I quite liked it doing it scene by scene. Let us know what you think of El Camino, and also uh, we're going to check out those Vince Gillen, Gilligan movies because mm. they piqued my interest. Uh, so we'll be talking about those next week. If you want to watch them too, so you're in. in you know, up to date with us. Maybe you've you got some opinions you want to share on them. The films are called. Um, Home Fries and Wilder Napalm, and let's watch Hancock as well. Yeah, right? I love Hancock. <laughs> uh, and last, yeah, and let us know what you thought of El Camino. And Email in, comment, whatever. And remember the competition and haiku. Send us some haikus. One. Tweet them at us. Message them to Instagram, us. Instagram. We can't wait. Email at nitpicks. Uh, inquiries at nitpicks.co.uk. And we'll catch you on the flip side. That was a that was fun. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye.